What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? Um, so, once again, another f- basically NFL-related podcast, but obviously there's a lot of baseball stuff to get into. So, I figured we'll start with baseball like we usually do. Um, so, it seems like a while ago now because everything's happened from it, but we have not talked about it on the podcast yet the sign-stealing scandal with the Astros. Well, the final report from the sign-stealing thing. So I guess I'll just kind of give a rundown and then we'll go into it. Um, so was it Monday? When did we do the podcast? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say it was Tuesday. Um, the final report came out and the initial... Uh, repercussions that came from it were AJ Hinch and Jeff Lunho. Jeff Lunho being the GM of the Astros and AJ Hinch being the manager of the Astros, both getting suspended a year. That led to them being fired. Um, then in the report, they cited some like key people in it. Carlos Beltran was cited. Alex Cora was cited. Uh, but they made the decision that they weren't going to do anything to the players at the time. So Carlos Beltran from the final report, seemed to not have any repercussions from it. Alex Cora, being a bench coach at the time, was expected to get harsh penalties from it, uh, leading to the Red Sox deciding to fire him. And then once that happened, it seemed inevitable that Carlos Beltran would be fired by the Mets, and he was then fired by the Mets. Um, so I guess first off, what, what did, how did you react to that, like them being fired and everything? You being a Yankees fan too, I think is the right move. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm I hate cheating first of all, and then I think again we discussed how many times that these teams have cheated, and the cheating is pretty significant. Um, you know, looking into the cheating, it's also which you have we have here on the outline is that uh, apparently there might have been some buzzers involved because there's been video spread around that uh, this is video after I think it was. After Jose Altuve hit the walk-off home run against the Yankees in this year's playoffs, he was coming home, you know, rounding the bases, he's coming home. The players look to seem to want to rip his shirt off. And, you know, the guy's pretty ripped. You know, he, he likes uh, he likes showing off his body. But for whatever, this this time around, he didn't want his shirt to get ripped off. Uh, it was a little interesting. And then, you know, people have zoomed in photos on him, and it seems like there's maybe a little piece under his jersey as well as, I forgot, was it Josh Donaldson as well? I think it's Alex Might have had Bregman. Alex, somebody, I forget who it was. Jeff somebody also is not on the Astros. Yeah, I forget who it was. Um, <laughs> it might have been Alex Bregman. You might have been right. Um, something to his chest. So possibly buzz involved. You know, like pitches coming, the Astros would click something and they'd get a little buzz for whatever so pitch bad. it was. Um, and that still really hasn't been revealed yet. I'm sure the MLB's. I can almost guarantee that MLB is going to investigate that. Um, but in terms of the firing of Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran. I think it's a really good move for both franchises. Uh, how long? How long has Alex Cora been the manager for the Red Sox? Uh, I think this was gonna be his third year. Third year, yeah. It, you know, not too long. And have they won anything significant in his time there? They won a World Series. They did. Yeah. Okay. That definitely changes things. I mean, I could say you know I could say this for the Mets though. The Mets they just hired Carlos Beltran. It's a rebuilding franchise. You, you really cutting Carlos Beltran is only positive. It's yeah. pure positive for the Mets. You know, re, you don't want to restart your franchise by hiring a cheater as your manager. You need somebody that's that's going to be good for the team. You know, you need somebody that's going to bring in a hundred percent positivity every single day to that locker mm-hmm. room, and, and want to bring in you know maybe some talented players to help rebuild the franchise. So, 
you know, no harm, no foul cutting cutting Carlos Beltran out of the picture there. Uh, in terms of Alex Cora, you know, he, he did win. I, I, I get, you know, I wasn't sure. I remember the Red Sox won in 2017, right? I think it was 2017. That was the, that was the first year Cora had was the manager. Mm, I think it might have been 2018. Yeah. So whatever, whatever. I know yeah. he. I wasn't sure if Cora was the manager at that point. But the fact that he is, you know, it definitely changes some things. Um, I, I don't know. Because at the same time, he won in that one World Series. But have they been good since then? I feel like they really haven't. The interesting they thing about really... that World Series is that like they cheated in that too. So. Yeah, and that's another thing. They yeah. cheated there. So <laughs> it's you know, I think it's best off of these teams cut out cheating. And it may it may hurt the Red Sox in the short term, even though personally, you know, I, I mean, from you look at the Red Sox resume under Alex Cora, they had the World Series win, but since then they they really haven't been the same and if they cheated in that World Series win, he he's not a manager that's bought him to the World Series two out of three years or been, you know, this this perennial manager that everybody wants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in that case, I think that cutting, you know, firing Alex Corp may hurt the Red Sox in the short term, but in the long run, it's going to, you know, keep the integrity of the team and it's going to want, you know, players in the future. They don't want to go to teams that are cheating and, and doing some stuff that's kind of under the table. Yeah. You know, they don't want to hurt their own reputations in their own brand. So I think it's going to, it's, it's going to benefit the Red Sox in the long run. Yeah. Um, my, uh, so I had been saying for a while that I want the Mets to fire Carlos Beltran um, just because you don't want him being the leader of a team and him only being known for cheating and stuff like that, because that's kind of what his reputation is at this point. Um, And also kind of interesting, a lot of, which I hadn't really known of, but some of the Mets pitchers last year were getting annoyed that teams were sign stealing, just like regular sign stealing, like from second base, like you could see what the catcher was calling and stuff like that, and the players were getting annoyed by that, specifically Jacob DeGrom, who's their uh, best player on the team, and if the coach is known for having been a part of such a big sign-stealing scandal, and him being the, the person that these players are supposed to go to for stuff like that, that would create a very big uh, conflict. Second off, um, seeing how big this Astros sign-stealing is like makes me wonder what else is going on that hasn't been talked about, hasn't been... Uh, hasn't been investigated yet because if it wasn't for Mike Fires, none of this would have been known. And it's kind of crazy how so much stuff's coming from this. Um, also, news came out today that the Los the Los Angeles City Los Angeles City Council unanimously voted to strip the Astros and their excess of their World Series and give them both to the Dodgers. Um, I think that's a little crazy. I would definitely see them stripping the Astros of their World Series title. But, I mean, you don't have to give them to the Dodgers. You can just strip them of the World Series, and then that'll be that. Like, no one won the World Series that year. I don't know. What do you think about that? I personally think that you you, you really shouldn't. It's so tough to change the past. Um, uh, you know, personally, in my opinion, you can't change the past. It is what it is. We know what we know now. Mm-hmm. But you can change the future. Yep. And I think, you know, punishing them in the future. Although, you know, I would like to see... The Red Sox or what Astros, or whatever, may get stripped of their titles, but you know, it's so much to say that what you know was it guaranteed the cheating allowed them to win? You know, the fact that we know that they cheated, they should be punished. But the fact we don't know if the cheating is the sole reason they won. I mean, beyond the fact that they cheated, they were really good teams. Mm-hmm. You know, they had some talented players in those rosters, so it's impossible to say whether the cheating was the sole factor in them winning the championships. 
And on top of that, um, there's so much there's so much financial financial situations that, that are occurred around those championships. In terms of, you know, they sold T-shirts and you know people bought products and they invested in stocks. And there's so there's implications of, of those of those World Series are really a lot larger than people might even think. It goes way beyond the uh, Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. So I, again, I just think that changing the future is is probably the most probable way they're going to go, and I think it is the cleanest way to solve issues is to you know punish them going into the future. Mm-hmm. And I guess from there we could talk about. Uh, another big issue that everyone's talking about is that Rob Manfred went too easy on the players um, and him not punishing them is a problem. I just, I feel like that Rob Manfred did what was right here and punished the Astros significantly. Uh, But going into punishing the players, I feel like that's hard to scale because you can't, it would take a lot of investigation to see to figure out who was at the top, who was at the bottom, who didn't know about the cheating, who didn't know about the cheating, how much cheating they did, and stuff like that. I feel like that could be a major issue and something that baseball probably wants to stay away from, specifically because, well, another side reason is because some of these players, which is kind of annoying because it's a business standpoint, a lot of these players are like key star players to baseball, and if they get suspensions and things like that, that could really hurt baseball. But more in terms of that scaling-wise, how they're going to punish everyone would be a real big difficulty for them. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to bring bring up, I was just open to ESPN, and Buster only was saying that pitchers are going to throw at the... Like, no one has really talked about this, but pitchers are going to start throwing at these Astros players like nothing. Because they're going to be... Specifically, like, Jose Altuve, and if, if with the thing with the buzzers, like, they're going to be so pissed off. It will be interesting to see with that situation. Uh, going off of that, I just want to say that I sort of disagree with you. I think the players should be punished. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I understand, it, again, like, it hurts MLB's bottom dollar. Yeah. And that's really the reason they're not going to punish these players. Um. But at the same time, these players are grown adults. They know what they were doing was was not only like against the rules, but morally wrong, right? Mm-hmm. You know, beyond just the rules of the MLB, like people put their lives into these teams, and they want they want a fair shot. You know, you know the fans, the fans too, and they want a fair shot at championships. And the other team's cheating; it's, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. How would you go again? I think I think you hit a good point on that. Is you know how would you punish them? Yeah. And on top of how would you investigate? Who knows what? Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible. I think, I, my, me personally, I think the best way to do it is, like, doesn't matter what they know, it's what they did. Because okay. you're never going to be able to get a, a solid answer out of who knows what. Mm-hmm. You know, were you involved in the cheating or not? And then go from there. Um, But again, I, I, I don't ever see that really happening. It's just, yeah. I think it's the, the right thing to do. And yeah. how you would carry that out would be pretty difficult. So I agree with you there. Um. In terms of, in terms of like, they were going to throw at the players. I don't know if you saw this, but you see a Strowman's tweet. Um, I know what you're talking about. I didn't read it though. He he tweeted out um, Marcus Stroman, right? Yeah. Like it's name. Yeah. He tweeted out something like, "I don't know how they were hitting my nasty my nasty pitches or something like that." And oh, I thought you were talking about something else. Um, no, he 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 tweeted out um, within the last like couple hours, he, he was like, "That's how they were hitting my nasty pitches." <laughs> That's um, funny. I'm going to try to find it right now. 
Uh, but it, it was kind of interesting, like, even, since the news broke from, from Aaron Judge to everybody else, you know, the, the other players in the MLB, which is kind of interesting, you know, they haven't really stayed quiet on it. A lot of them have spoke up and, and called players yeah. out, which is, which is pretty interesting, you know. How are these players, you know, they might even, some of these players might play on the same team at some point again. That's true. So, so I just think, I, I would just be curious to see how this all works out, and with, with players being pretty verbal about the fact that they're unhappy that, that the Astros is this, and, uh, you know, reasonably, understandably. Mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting how, you know, the players, again, they're calling each other out for this, which I'm happy to see, but it, I don't know, it could, it could become an issue if they get traded to the same team. Yeah. I'm still trying to look for this tweet. What I thought you were talking about um, was, so when Alex Cora was coaching a couple years back, um, someone asked him because one of the Red Sox got mad at Marcus Stroman when he was pitching because Marcus Stroman's known for being like overly excited and kind of showing off, which it could be perceived that way. And then Marcus Stroman said, how could like, tweeted like how could Alex Cora say something about the way that I play when he's in charge of all this cheating that's what I thought you were talking about but did you find that yeah I found the tweet so he tweeted that yesterday January 20th um so somebody posted uh I see why am I in case you missed it uh this is this is the infamous garbage uh can bang can banging noise garbage can banging noise from a Blue Jays and Astros game back in 2017 it's very clear if you listen with headphones too Enters the videos of Marcus Stroman pitching, and right before he pitched, you could hear the garbage can noises that people were complaining about back in 2017. Um, and, you know, originally, if, if you guys would just want to track this cheating, originally the Astros have been called out for this, the banging on the dugout, um, in order to get the calls in. And, you know, it, it developed into not only, you know, people originally thought, okay, they were banging on the dugout, which is which is a bit much. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to really do that. Um, on you know, and they, everyone thought they were stealing the signs normally, you know, from from a player on second base or a third base coach. Yeah. And then the news broke that they did it electronically, and then and then we've gone to from there we've gone to buzzers. Um, you know, with all that being said, Marcus Stroman, you know, everything that being revealed now, Marcus Stroman tweeted out, um, the "S makes sense now." Um, I remember wondering how these guys were laying off some of my nasty pitches, relaying all signs and live speed to the batter, ruining the integrity of the game. These dudes were all about the camera and social media. Now they're all quiet. Lol, laughing emoji. So I just thought it was pretty interesting. I like Marcus Strom called him out pretty badly there. Yeah. He's been very vocal about this whole situation. As I guess he should be, even though he's not really involved, mm-hmm. but whatever. Um, I guess that's it for that. That's a large topic. So I guess we'll get into football. It was obviously championship week end for the playoffs so if you want to start us off sure so the first game of the weekend we had the chiefs and titans game um so spoiler alert if you haven't watched the games and know the scores yet which would be kind of bad because the games happen on sunday um today's tuesday the chiefs won 35 to 24 um the chiefs moved on to the super bowl so congratulations to the chiefs starting off um so you know looking at the game itself the Titans played pretty well at first, which is, you know, kind of expected. The Titans have been pretty hot. Um, Derrick Henry was performing his usual self. You know, he, they were grounding and pounding the ball. The Titans were up, I think, was it 17-7 to 7 at some point? Mm-hmm. And then and that was at the, towards the beginning of the second quarter. And from there, the Chiefs pretty much took over and won the game. Um, I think you hit on it pretty well. Uh, Patrick Holmes was his usual self. 
played extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed. He was twenty three for thirty five passing, sixty six percent completion, two hundred ninety four yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, zero interceptions with a QBR of one twenty nine point four. I think he, if I remember correctly, his tally is eleven touchdowns, zero interceptions in the playoffs, which you know isn't great in terms of like if you're looking at regular season games. Oh, he played two games and only had eleven touchdowns, which I mean that's a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. But for Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, you know that's kind of standard. That's mm-hmm. how you know how big how good of a quarterback he is and the caliber that he, he set himself up to be. Um, but I think it, you got to remember that in the playoffs, these are some of the best teams that were in the NFL. You know, they, what they played the Titans and who else did they played already? Texans. Um, the Texans. You know, the, both these teams, neither of these teams are garbage, right? Mm-hmm. You know, these teams should be able, if, if Patrick Mahomes is passing 35 times and, you know, it's the playoffs, they should be able to pick him off once or twice. But the fact that he's, you know, 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions, that's pretty impressive. Um, beyond that, the leading rusher for the Mahomes, uh, for the Chiefs rather, was Mahomes. So that tells me, as I say in the past, if you don't have a, a pure rushing quarterback, then if your quarterback is your leading rusher, you need to work on your run game. Which I think going into Super Bowl, they may hurt them. We'll get to that in a second. Um, leading receiver for the, the Chiefs was Sammy Watkins, seven receptions, 114 yards, touchdown. Terry Kill also had two touchdowns on 67 yards. Um, so I think offensively, the the Chiefs did, uh, you know, per burst standard, I would say. You know, they, they're always one of the best teams for the past, what, two, three years now uh, since Patrick Mahomes has taken over, which is last year, really. Um, but even, you know, last year, they were a good offensive team. So the Chiefs are now being a good offensive team. I think where they really shined on Sunday was their defense. Um, if you watch a lot of the game film from that game, you'll see the Chiefs were nearly in goal line defense the entire game. They, they'd have, you know, three or four down linemen squeezed in. Right, so that they're almost nose over nose with each of the offensive linemen, and then have linebackers either right, you know, two three yards off the ball, or even on the edge to set the edges on the scrimmage. Their number one goal, which which I think was a really good game plan, was to limit the amount of rushing yards and, and limit the, the rushing ability of Derrick Henry, which they were pretty successful. They held Derrick Henry to 19 attempts on 169 yards, which is 3.6 um, yards a carry, which you know for Derrick Henry and how he's been in the playoffs, that's pretty good. Um, so, you know, I think the Chiefs did exceptionally well on defense and that probably won't be highlighted as much as their offense would for that game. So I think that's important to know. Um, also on the Titans side, um, Brian Tannehill passed for 209 yards, two touchdowns, uh, 121 for 31 passing, 68% completion rate, 114.4 QBR. Um, he did pretty well. Also, I think even more important to note is that Marcus Mariota didn't have a single passing yard which, you know, he's been the franchise quarterback for a while, and I think it's pretty standard. I think he announced it that he wants to be a starter again. So Mark Springo is probably going to set himself up somewhere where he could be a starter next year. It seems as if the Titans are going to stick with Ryan Tannehill going in towards the future, which makes sense. Um, other than that, I really don't have much to say. The Chiefs just, you know, beyond the first quarter, the Chiefs just kind of cruised through the rest of the game and, and really took over. They didn't really dominate as much as they have in the past, but that's because the Titans are really hot and have been a really good team. But it was a good one for the uh, Chiefs, and they're moving on to Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, I think the key thing was that they were able to stop Derrick Henry, and the Patriots and the Ravens both couldn't do that, which I think going into it, everyone knew if they if the Titans – I mean, if the Chiefs could stop Derrick Henry, then they'd have a pretty good shot at winning. And, I mean, you could see Ryan Tannehill had to throw much more than he had to in the past games, and he had to be the person they relied on. And he was almost enough, but obviously wasn't as the Chiefs won. 
and yeah, I guess that's it for that game. Yeah, um, just one last thing. I'm, I, I always get a little pissed off because the Chiefs' defense has progressively gotten better mm-hmm. since Steve Spagnuolo has gotten there. Oh. And he did nothing for the Giants. <laughs> like, where was this when you played for the Giants? Like, you know, you, you, his, de- his defense isn't elite, but it's subpar. It's, it's better than average. Yeah. You know, how, how come when you run the defense? He had the one good year with the Giants in 2015 and 2016-2017 or whatever. I forget. I think he played one or two more years after that. Absolute garbage. I mean, our talent fell off a little bit, but, you know, his coaching just went to, to, to poop. I don't understand where he went. And now he's he's good with the Chiefs again, so go figure. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess that covers the Chiefs and the Titans game. Congratulations to the Chiefs. Moving on to the Super Bowl. Uh, so the next game that we had, which is the 640 game, we had the Packers and the 49ers. This game, absolute blowout from the start. Uh, the 49ers dominated the entire game. Uh, keys to note here, <clears throat> or no, big key things to note here, start with the quarterback situation. Jeremy Garoppolo had an astounding eight attempts passing with on six completions, uh, which is 75% completion rate. 77 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, 115.7 QBR. Um, and then, you know, rushing for the 49ers, uh, we had Raheem Mostert, which... I think he started playing running back, was it, one or two days ago before the game. Mm. They just picked him up and converted him. And he put up two, 222 yard, 220 yards and 29 uh, carries, 7.6 yards per carry, and four touchdowns, which is incredible. Um, and, again, there wasn't much passing. And the 49ers defense, very solid. You know, there's mm. no complaints there. Richard Sherman had an interception. Um, I, I'll take to a little bit over Sherman a second. I just want to say that before I move on to anything else is that – a lot of the people, a lot of people in the news media or on, on the internet, Instagram, whatever it may be, a lot of people are, are saying, "Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo got carried to the Super Bowl and that you know, he wasn't really a part of it." Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has been a really solid quarterback all year long. You know, I, I, again, like the fact that the 49ers rushed the ball so much. If you watch, if you people actually watch the game, should realize that the 49ers didn't need to pass. They were running. You know, they were getting consistent ten yard gains at every single time they rushed the ball. There was there was no reason to pass. If you could pass that well, there's no re- again. There's, I mean, if you could run that well, there's no reason to pass. So, you know, people say Jimmy Garoppolo got carried. You know, teams that can run the ball really well and play really good defense, like this 49ers team, win Super Bowls. If you look at, I think the, the most the team in recent history that's very similar to this is going to be the Troy Aikman, um, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin kind of combo. And Troy Aikman talked about this during the game as well. Um, you know, his team, when they went to the Super Bowls under, I think it was Jimmy Johnson, I believe, you know, their their whole game was rushing the ball. You know, Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin were secondary options to, to the rush game that they, rushing game that they, they produced. And their defense is really solid, too. And that's the reason they won. So, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you win. If you can if you can rush that ball, you know, run, running the ball, if you can run the ball in football, then you can do everything else, and everything else can really just flaw off of that. So if you can run the ball, that, that shows you that you're a really good team, in my opinion. That's probably better than a team that can pass really well, like the Chiefs, even though I'm probably going to root for the Chiefs. Super Bowl, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I guess congratulations to Raheem Mostert. Um, and I think what was interesting about Richard Sherman was that uh, Darrell Revis called that Richard Sherman on Twitter. Uh, Darius essentially said that you know even though he got the pick, that he that Richard Sherman really isn't like a man that he won't switch sides because if anybody knows how the 49ers defense works, Richard Sherman has preferred this his entire career. Richard Sherman prefers to stay to one side of the field and whatever wide receiver matches up against him matches up against him. 
Um, if you know Richard Sherman, he's not great in man coverage. He's, he's a lot better in zone coverage. So it makes sense that he stays to one side of the field. But at the same time, like, you know, I personally think he should match up against the better receivers, and that really proves what talent is, and that's what the Rebel Reeves was saying. But at the same time, you know, Richard Sherman is, is going to be a Hall of Famer one day, and you can't knock the guy. I don't really think, you know, he's been a great cornerback for I don't know how long now. He always gets interceptions. He, in his ninth year, he's entering into Super Bowl for, like, what, the third time of his, fourth time of his career. Um, you, you can't really knock the guy. And I think that both Richard Sherman and Darrell Bruce had points there. Um, do you have any comments on that before I move on to the rest um, of the game, Brian? Yeah, I think what Darrell Bruce was probably getting at was, like, the fact that he was, like, known as Revis Island and he was always on the best uh, receiver, as you were saying. Um, and his whole thing was, like, no one ever passed to Darrell Revis. And I remember watching him as a Jets fan and – he would just be there, and I was like, why is he not getting interceptions? And then I realized no one's throwing to him. And compared to Richard Sherman, who I didn't know that, but he seems to only play on one side of the field, and he's not always against the best receiver. That's kind of actually interesting, but yeah, that's all I have to say. Okay, Um. so beyond that, um, looking on the Packer side, again, this game was pretty much a blowout from the entire start. This score was 30, 37-20. But the score is is not even indicative of the, of the game was. There was no way the Packers were ever going to win that game. They, they scored a touchdown in garbage time. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers, 31-39 passing. 80% completion rate, which is pretty good. 326 yards, pretty good. Two touchdowns, pretty good. But then he had two interceptions. And I think it's it's really a testament to how good the 49ers defense are that they can make Aaron Rodgers throw two interceptions like that. Mm. You know, He had 106.2 QBR, which is still good. But, again, this 49ers defense is, is really good. And it's incredible to see the progression that the 49ers have had up until this point. You know, for people that have forgotten, last year they were a 4-12 team that had the number two pick. And now they're in the Super Bowl. I think that goes to show, you know, first of all, the, the 49ers trustee in Kyle Shanahan has, has done wonders for them. He's put together a really good running game. His defense is very solid. So I think it's a testament to the coaching as well as giving teams time to develop as well as how big of a pass rusher can change a defense. Somebody yeah. like Chase Young is could be such a pivotal thing to somebody's defense going into the future. Nick Bosa has been great for the 49 and 49ers this year. You know, very likely could be rookie of the year. Um, well, I, I guess not rookie of the year because they always give it to a quarterback, even though he, I think he should be in the running for it. But he'll, I think he'll probably be defensive player of the year. Um and again, just like this 49 defense is something else, so it's something that's going to be a really big problem for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I'm sure of it. Um, looking at the Packers, they couldn't develop a rushing game. Their top rusher was Aaron Jones, 56 yards, not that much. Um, Devontae Adams did do well for the Packers, 138 yards and nine receptions, zero touchdowns. Uh, he did have a 65-yard reception, so that kind of accounts for a big portion of his yards there. But beyond, you know, even still, that's a good amount of yardage. Um and yeah, I think this game was a blowout from the start, and the 49ers defense and, and and their rushing game is just it's something that's it's been proven to work through their year after year of the year at the NFL for as long as the NFL has been around. Teams that win Super Bowls are are more often than not teams that can rush the ball and teams that have good defense, and that's the 49ers. Give any comments about the game, Brian? Um, the one thing I do want to say, like. From a Jets fan's perspective, it gives it gives me good hope when the 49ers can go from a four and twelve team to being in the Super Bowl, and I guess it, the same goes for you too with the, being a Giants fan. Um, and I, the biggest thing for the 49ers this season has just been like kind of like next man up, 
whenever there's an injury or just like some random players like Raheem Mostert coming into the games and just being pivotal parts of the team is seems to have been a very important thing for them and just from there they were able to have a great season behind a great defense. 100%. Yeah, and just looking for Raheem Mostert. I mean, I don't want to discredit the guy. But when you look at him, I don't think he's that talented. I just think the scheme there is incredible. The way that – so if you look at, the, you know, going from 4-12 and 12 to this season, I think one of the, the, the number one signing, you know, beyond drafting Nick Bosa, the number one signing that the 49ers got was to have Kyle Juszczyk, their fullback, on a long-term contract. Yeah. He – you know, there's not that many fullbacks in the NFL right now. But the things he does for the 49ers is, is the reason they are so good on offense. You know, his ability to block, to be just a, a mobile blocker, is pivotal to their running game. And, and I think it's it, it's a testament to, the, you know, fullbacks have been used since the beginning of the NFL and they've kind of dissipated throughout the years. But I think it still stands that using a full, fullback on a running game is still effective. The things that they're able to do with Kyle Juszczyk and, and George Kittle, I think, you know, I think their offensive line is good. But again, having those mobile blockers with George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk allows them to do so much more with the ball, especially on tosses and stretches. You know, getting out there to the, to the corner or linebacker quicker than they can reach the spot, you know, it, it allows to open up so many more holes. And when you look at the stretches and the tosses the 49ers run, you know, the the nearest tackler is, is already three yards beyond the line of scrimmage just because of how quickly Kyle Juszczyk and, mm. and George Kittle can get out there in second blocks, you know, beyond, you know, those are the two biggest guys, but obviously there's other pieces. I think their ability to block is what really sets a tone on defense, on offense rather. So I just think, you know, even though Raheem Mostar is good, I just think that any any running back could run really well in that scheme. Hmm. Um, so going off that game, we now have our Super Bowl, uh, which is going to be held in Miami, I believe, on February 2nd usually is the date. I can go check that right now. It's going to be on February 2nd. Um, so in Miami, we're going to have the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, uh, you know, going into this game, I've, as I've kind of hinted at, it's going to be, in my opinion, the whole matchup is going to be based on two things, um, which which is pretty basic, but just to, you know, it's, it's really going to be the two things that really matters. Can the Chiefs passing game overcome the, the 49ers defense? And then as well as will the Chiefs be able to stop the 49ers rushing game? Um. And I'll have to say this. I think the 49ers are favored in this game. But I do think the Chiefs have a possibility to win it. And I'm rooting for the Chiefs because the Chiefs, one of the starting defensive tackles for the Chiefs, 92. I can't pronounce his name. I don't even want to try it. Um, just 92 for the Chiefs. He played for Villanova. So, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm rooting for the Chiefs there. Also, they have they have um, Jordan Jordan Lucas, one of their safeties or such corners. He'd be back for them. He played. He grew up in Westchester. He still trains there, and he still lives there. Um, he's called Drop Lucas. That's like his nickname. I'm a big fan of him. Um, he lives in Westchester, and he brought him from Westchester, New York. So, um, so I'm rooting for him. So I got to go with the Chiefs here, and I do think the Chiefs can win it. It's only based on the fact that look, you know what the 49ers' offense is going to be? It's going to be rushing. Can the Chiefs stop rushing game? Well, what did they just do to the Titans? Right? Titans very similar team, and they did nothing but rush the ball, and the Chiefs were able to stop it. The only difference is, like I said, I think the 49ers have a little bit better of a passing game. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, I would say, is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, they have more weapons as well. They have George Kittle. They have uh, Debo Samuel. They have, I believe, is Emmanuel Sanders? Yeah, he's on the Is team. he healthy for them? He played yesterday. Is, I mean, yeah, he, he played he's on still healthy Sunday. for them. 
Yeah, so the, again, I, I always forget if he's healthy or not. Um, he's, he's always getting injured. But he has zero catches. Um, so I think, you know, they have a lot of weapons, even though Emmanuel Sanders has been great for the 49ers, as great as they want him to be this season. Um, so a lot of weapons for the 49ers. I think it's going to be a difference there. But I think the Chiefs could pull it out. If, if they could stop the rushing game and force the 49ers to pass, which they're good at, but I don't think it's anywhere near as, as their strength as their rushing game. And the Chiefs could find a way to beat that 49ers defense, which Chiefs have probably been the best offense all year, as, as well as like the past two years. I think they can do it. Um, so I'm 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 gonna even though I think the 49ers have a really good chance of winning this game, game I'm gonna go against the odds and, and pick the Chiefs because that's the team I'm gonna rock with for this game. I'm also rooting for the Chiefs. I shouldn't have laughed at that you're uh, rooting because of a Villanova player because the reason I'm rooting for the Chiefs is because Patrick Mahomes' dad used to I think it was coach no he used to play for the Mets but like played like maybe one season I think I could be wrong with that but he definitely did play for the Mets so that's why I'm rooting for the Chiefs. Um, off of that. I think you made a very important point about the Chiefs being able to stop the run. And I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. I think um, Patrick Mahomes has been playing really well. These, well, he's been playing pretty good this season, specifically in the playoffs. He's been playing really well. And I think that's important going into being able to play in the playoffs. And that trend usually continues, I'd say, if you have the momentum behind you. Um, I think that's going to be very important against the 49ers. And off of that, I, I, there's really not much more for me to say with that. So, yeah, I just think the Chiefs are going to win. Um, I guess that's it for the football stuff. Some NBA stuff to talk about. Um, Zion Williamson is finally going to be making his first day, his first professional day, first regular season debut because he did play in the preseason for a little bit. Um he had he tore his meniscus, I guess it was a, t- a tear in his right knee, and he was supposed to be out six to eight weeks, and it's now thirteen and a half weeks. Um, he's going to be playing his first game tomorrow against the Spurs, and the whole reason that it took them it took him forever was he was healthy, but the um, Pelicans wanted to be sure that he wouldn't re-injure and just wanted to be completely gone. And obviously Zion being such a talent and such an important part of their future. Hopefully, they didn't want to risk it, and they probably made the right choice, but I'm sure, well, he was obviously impatient and wanted to play, and basically all the NBA fans wanted to see him play as well, so everyone is kind of impatient on this, but he's finally going to be playing. Um, it's going to be a bit annoying because I was having fun not having to deal with Zion playing well and the, the Knicks playing bad, but uh, it's going to start tomorrow, so that should be great. Um, I don't know, you have anything to say with that? Uh yeah, two things. Just first off, I bought my sister a Zion jersey because that's what she wanted. So oh. I hope he plays well. And I got I got my girlfriend to buy it for her for Christmas. But huh. I'm hoping he plays well because I don't know why she wanted the shirt. She knows nothing about Zion other than he played at Duke. <laughs> um, but so I hope he plays well. So that purchase is worth it. Uh, beyond that, just a little background on like what his injury is. Um, mm. it's something that can still affect him absolutely going forward. Uh, when you look at a meniscus injury, so for people don't really understand the anatomy of what a meniscus is. Um, so a meniscus is a piece in between your your uh, your thigh bone, right, and between your leg bone, your technical tibia and fibula, which are your leg bones, and then your thigh bone. Um, not to get too much into anatomy, but basically, what the meniscus is 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 in between your knee joint 
there's a little piece of, of cartilage and it's called a meniscus, right? Mm-hmm. Cartilage, if you don't know what that is, it's similar to what makes up your nose and what makes up your ears. It's a piece of soft tissue and it absorbs a lot of the, the pressure and, 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 you know, every time you walk and absorbs a lot of the weight that, that comes down on it. Um, when somebody like Zion, who's 285 and really mm-hmm. he can jump more than his weight should, should allow him to, the amount of pressure that he put on his meniscus is incredible. And that's pretty probably, it's actually the reason why I tore it. So when you're looking at Zion, if he wants to keep his longevity, I know people said this on TV, but I absolutely think it's right. He should lose weight. He needs mm-hmm. to be he needs to be leaner if he wants to be able to jump like he does on a long term uh, basis. Um, so I think he loses weight and he trains himself right to avoid the injury. And you know, I think if he goes to his rehab and he monitors his knees and his body, you know, I think similar to LeBron, right? Pretty big dude, but he could jump out the gym. You know, LeBron does all the things right. He really invests in himself. The amount of money that he spends in his nutrition, on his doctors and, and, and his training, you know, it, it is the reason he is still performing as you know top three basketball player in the NBA at the age of 34. Mm. Um, so if I wants to have a career like that, he needs to really invest in himself. That's it. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that it would... So it was kind of like inevitable that he would get an injury. Oh, I blanked out on the, on the thigh bone. Thigh bone is called the, the femur. Ah. I don't know what. I have to know this for my EMT class. So I was <laughs> like, I was really upset that I couldn't remember the name of it. Like, I, I was hit my tongue and I couldn't say it. <laughs> so would you say that the injury was kind of like inevitable for him if he, like... It, it was probably likely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it, I, this injury is, is most likely not something that happened just acutely. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you know all of a sudden it just tore. Yeah. They're probably he probably been putting a lot of pressure on it over time. And if you looked at the way he plays, it, it you know it's pretty obvious that he probably has. And the training and you know they, they talk a lot about it in the news media. They're, they're like they're going to retrain his running, and everyone's making fun of him. But 100, percent yeah, you know the the way you run and the form that you run mm-hmm. can make a large difference in terms of long long term the amount of pressure that you put on your meniscus and your knees and your joints. Mm-hmm. So if you learn how to, you know, minimize the amount of pressure that you're putting on everything, then you'll be healthier in the long term. Mm, gotcha. So the next thing, um, more of just update. Well, not really. But so Damian Lillard last night scored 61 points. Um, he hit 11 three-pointers, which was his career best. Um, he ended up, they ended up beating the Golden State Warriors 129-124, but that's not really the important part. Um, he was the first... What was it? Being the first player in NBA history with 60 points and, uh, wait, I'm reading that wrong. Whatever, that doesn't really matter. But he became the sixth player to have two 60-point games in a season, I think. Um, so, not really much to say there, just more of a crazy stat. Uh, from there, want to do a little Rockets update? Sure, yeah, just a little, uh, real quick, Jamie Lloyd, really good <laughs> player. I've been saying it for years. I'm just happy he's, he's finally getting... I'm happy he's finally getting some some recognition, what he um for what he's doing. So congrats to Damian Lillard. Hope he keeps doing well. Um, Melo did pretty well too. That's yeah, kind of funny. I was watching Melo last night. I, was, I actually watched part of this game. Hmm. It's just crazy to me that he went so long without being signed. Yeah. Like there was so much worse talent that got signed, and I, for the life of me, I can't to this day understand why Melo was not signed earlier. Like why did no team want him? Yeah. It's because I guess we play too much ISO ball, but. I don't know. I digress. So moving on to the Rockets, uh, we stink. We're awful. I think we're about we're about to fall to the seventh seed in the West. And, like, I, I don't know what the solution is because 
some nights Russell Westbrook plays really well. Some nights Harden plays well. It seems like they never play well at the same time, which is understandable because they're both ball dominant. Mm. But it, it's it's very apparent to me that the role players in the Rockets have just not been the same this year. They're not performing up to par. I think Mike D'Antoni, he's – I like him as a coach, but it doesn't seem like it's working out. We need something else. To, we need to change. Rockets need to change something. I don't know what it is, but we stink right now, and I want it fixed. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel every day I watch the Knicks and, and then going off um, I just wanted to like sort of a little update on the NBA as a whole uh, Lakers and Bucks are in first place East, uh, West and East um, I, I think the Lakers are just such a good team the Rockets lost the Lakers without Anthony Davis even though the Lakers lost they went to the Celtics they could lose once in a while um, they're, they're still my favorite to win the championship um you know, for all we know, DeMarcus Cousins could come back in the playoffs and that team could even get even better. Hmm. Know, it's probably, I wouldn't say it's likely he comes back in the playoffs, but you know, I'd say it's a possibility. We'll have to see where he's at with his injury by then. I doubt I doubt he's going to come back, but I'm just saying that he could and make that team even better. Hmm. I think the only team that the Lakers are missing is a good guard, like a 3 and D type of guard, you know, like a Clay Thompson. You're not going to get the caliber of Clay Thompson because they don't have that type of trading uh yeah. Entities right now are things to trade to get some caliber player of that caliber, but I think that's really what they're missing. Um, you know, somebody that's a little bit better than Danny Green, maybe somebody that can handle the ball once in a while. Hmm. I don't know who it is, but I think it's what they're all they're missing from being a nearly perfect team. Because Lakers have all the right role players, they have two superstars, but they're just missing like a pretty talented guard. And I don't know who that would be, but that would, that's the only thing keeping that team from being perfect. Um, do you have any? comments on that? No, not really. All right. So, moving on. <laughs> uh, we have, we're going into uh, the college stuff section. So, there hasn't really been too much college playoff in terms of football news. You know, the playoffs are over. LSU has won. Congrats to them. As I said, Joe Burr, I don't know. They, they, they already had once the last time we did the podcast. Um, so, again, still congrats to them. They're kind of enjoying themselves right now. Um hasn't been too much draft news. And the only draft news that I saw was just today. Um, in terms of where they're holding the 2020 draft, it's going to be in front of a Las Vegas hotel with a fountain. I forget which one it's called, but it's the famous fountain that everybody knows in Las Vegas. You see in all the um, all like the commercials and stuff. I'm trying to see. Oh, the Bellagio Hotel, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's called, so everyone kind of knows what it is, but I assume most people don't know the name. That's myself included. There's the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas where there's a giant fountain. You know what I'm talking about, Brian? Yeah. Apparently, they're going to hold the 2020 NFL draft on the water of that fountain. And the stage is going to be on the water of that fountain, and the players who get drafted are going to take a ferry or, like, small boat to the stage in the middle of the pool and then get up on stage and, and, and talk to the commissioner that way. What? Why? Okay. I, I don't. Is it, I, I don't know why. I don't know why they're doing this. But it it, it seems kind of interesting. I, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> it probably has to do with the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. Yeah, uh, it, it could be very well. Could mm-hmm. be it. I just it's interesting. They're holding it on water rather than it's some very true. All the all the event centers that could have held it in in Las Vegas decided to do it on on the water. <laughs> um. So that's interesting. Wow. I wonder how the, I wonder how the um, how security is going to be for there. Because how do you secure? I mean, I don't know. For me, like if I if I ever went to Las Vegas, I'd be 
I do feel very uncomfortable going to like an outdoor concert or mm. anything like that oh, just because true. of the Mandalay because of Mandalay Bay, which everybody doesn't know who that was. It was the largest mass shooting in U.S. history. Where yeah. um, so I forget the guy's name. Doesn't matter. Doesn't uh-huh. need to be named. Mm-hmm. He shot out of a hotel window into a crowd of uh, country concert goers, and he yeah. killed hundreds of people. Um, so um, it's horrible. I just feel really uncomfortable. You know, I hope they. I'm assuming they have better security by now, and they probably check all the windows of the hotels around anytime they have an outdoor event now, yeah. which I'd hope they do. Um, but that's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, any uh, comments, questions, concerns, Brian? <laughs> on um, that? No, not really. You can continue. Yeah. So, so that's uh, 2020 draft location. Interesting. We'll see how that goes. Hmm. Uh, so moving on to basketball, been a pretty good week of basketball. Lots of upsets per usual. Um, I think this is. I think we've had seven number one ranked teams in in the college basketball season so far, which is tied for the most of all time. What that means is, been seven different teams that have been at the number one of the AP poll, which is again, I think it's tied with the most of all time. Which the last time it's happened is in 1982, 1983. So this team, this season is just incredible. There's no team that's undefeated at this point besides San Diego State, um, and. You know, teams that are in the top ten have three to four losses, which at this point, you know, in, in usual college basketball seasons, you have te- most teams are like undefeated at this rate, mm-hmm. or have one loss, and those are the top ten teams. Um, so it's just been a really crazy uh, college basketball season. Um, you know, a lot of upsets. I'm about to go to one tonight: uh, Villanova versus Butler. Maybe you guys will catch me on TV. You're not going to see this until after the game happens, but <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are even listening to this. <laughs> But uh, so game of the week was probably Louisville Duke. Louisville was 11 going into the game, and Duke was third. Uh, Louisville pulled the game out 79 to 73. And since then, we have a new AP poll. Uh, just going through the poll real quickly. Baylor has claimed number one, which uh, Villanova's one of their three losses is to Baylor, so that's a good sign. Uh, Gonzaga is number two, which I still think Gonzaga should be number one. So Gonzaga's 20 and one, and Baylor's 16 and one. So just that alone should let Gonzaga be first place. But the fact that Baylor leapfrog Gonzaga at the number one spot, and Gonzaga hasn't lost. So it, just, it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. to me. Gonzaga, Baylor should be number two, but I guess at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. They're both be number one seeds. Um, beyond that, Kansas is number three. Uh, Villanova has beaten Kansas. Uh, San Diego State's number four. They're nineteen and zero. Florida State's at five. Florida State's always a really good team every year. They're always for me like when you, when you look at all the great Florida State teams, they're always so long. They always have such tall players. Um, I forgot they had. What's his name? Like Terrence? Some they had some guy like Newman last year, who was their point guard, and, and he was incredibly. I don't know. I don't I can't remember what his name was. Hmm. I, I couldn't remember. He was like a really tall point guard from the city. I digress. They're always a really tall team, and I think they're always a really interesting team. Uh, so you know, Louisville beat Duke. They moved to number six. Uh, Dayton's at seven. Eight. Uh, Duke falls to number eight. Uh, Villanova moves up to nine. Go Cats. Uh, Seton Hall's at ten. And I'm going to keep going. Uh, Michigan State is at 11. You know, they've been climbing back and back since they did pretty bad at the beginning of the season. Uh, Oregon's at 12. And Butler's at 13. And I'll probably end it there. I just think it's because you need to look at Butler, Seton Hall, and Villanova. Villanova, 9. Seton Hall, 10. Butler, 13. We're playing Butler tonight, so it's going to be 9 versus 13 matchup. Mm-hmm. should be a good game. Uh, the Big East is filled with a lot of high-ranked teams this year, and it's going to be a dogfight to see who wins it out. Um, should be really interesting. Um, important to note before we wrap up the podcast, I just wanted to say that when you look at these rankings, I think there's one very notable team that we don't see in the top 25, and that is North Carolina. 
They're eight and nine this season, which no one saw coming. This is the worst season that North Carolina. They just lost. I think they lost once or twice. I can't remember how many times. They just they are not the same team that they were. Um, I think Cole Anthony's been out, but they just they just have not been good. Uh, who knows if we'll even see them in the the in the you know March Madness tournament this year? Let alone you know win their conference. We'll have to see what that team comes out as. But right now they are not looking too hot. Hmm. Um, so I guess that wraps up college stuff for the week. All right. So that's it for this week's podcast. Mm, I'll let you give your final thoughts. Uh, sure. Um, just want to say thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, hopefully we have Pro Bowl next week for NFL, but that none of that matters. Who cares <laughs> about that? Then the card players don't even play. Wasn't yeah. even worth covering on the podcast. But um, hope you guys enjoy listening. Me and Brian are think, thinking about a possibility of doing a giveaway at some point, so stay in tune for that. Um, hopefully, we can get Richard back on the podcast next week. I'm getting pretty busy with school. I'm trained to be an EMT. Gonna save some lives out here. Had a nine-hour class on Saturday. I did three and a half hours straight of chest compressions, so that was fun. Um, so I guess that covers my week. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, I guess you guys can't leave them below anymore because that's Spotify not music. Uh, leave them on my Instagram at nick.horvat. Uh, you can contact me on my email at nicholashorvat10 yahoo.com or you can contact me on Twitter at nickhorvat61. Um, also leave questions, comments, concerns on our Instagram at d.sport.universe on Instagram. So uh, other than that, I'll hand it off to Brian. Yeah. I'm in my final week of my break. So it's like kind of that period where I'm like, uh, I like, have nothing to do. And like, I'm kind of want school to start, but not really. But um, yeah, so one more week of break, then school starts again. So that should be fun. Other than that, um, we're at, I think it's 264 subscribers. So getting to 300 um keep watching the videos keep subscribing um we'll be back next week with another podcast like nick said send us your comments in the dms um haven't gotten any yet but that must mean that we're doing a really good job uh um other than that they they agree with everything yeah definitely (laughs) if you have any interest writing for us editing videos um graphic design anything like that we do have a new editor I don't know his actual name, but his YouTube channel is Precision Highlights, so if you want to go check that out, um, contact us at thesportuniverse2019 at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.